Welcome to TES Podagogy. My guest on this episode is Dominic Wise, Professor of Early Childhood and Primary Education at UCL, Founding Director of the Helen Hamlin Centre for Pedagogy, 0-11, and Incoming Vice President, President-Elect of the British Educational Research Association. The focus of this episode is on teaching writing in early childhood. Dominic, hello. Hi. So should we start by just start quite general and look at why early childhood education has such a focus on it at the moment. I mean, f- from our perspective, it seems that the spotlight's on this phase of education more than ever before. I think that's true. <clears throat> I think part of the reason is that policymakers around the world have realised that you need to start helping children at a very young age if they're going to make progress in their education and in their future lives. Um, I think, you know, my department at the Institute of Education has done some of the seminal work on proving the importance of early childhood education and particularly high quality early childhood education. Um, So yes, it's it's a massively important phase for everyone really. It's instinctively parents recognize this as an important phase education systems do. Of course, the the key question is what's most effective? Mm. I would add uh, a small caution. Um, Of course, in terms of children's development, they don't see learning as neatly in education phases. I think we've got to be careful not to neglect primary education and beyond in our, our emphasis on early years. Um, I, I think it's, from my point of view, it's important we think about those what are described as phases in England as more as a continuous uh, series of milestones of development for children. Mm. And I, I, I know that you, in that sense, you, you advocate starting quite early for the teaching of writing as young as, uh, as, young as two years old. Well, um, whether I advocate... I certainly think we need to better understand the youngest children and they naturally, as in so many things, they naturally experiment and are curious about uh, writing just as they are curious about all sorts of things and they they play um, with, with the tools of writing, the marks of writing if they're given the opportunity. One of my PhD students has just finished her PhD study, and she is one of the first, as far as we know, to systematically research two-year-olds and young three-year-olds and their their understandings of writing, and crucially how the adults in their lives, both parents and early years educators, understand writing. And it was fascinating to find that the adults... um, didn't really see that the children were writing, yet the children were quite clear they were writing. And so there was a gap in terms of the the knowledge and response of the adults. And that, that's an important pedagogical lesson for us, I think. Is, it, um, is there a problem now that children see their parents writing less, or at least the physical act of writing with a pen or a pencil rather than um, typing on a phone? Does, does that matter? Is that modelling of writing? I'm sure it's true that parents write with pens and pencils less, although it would be an interesting study. Um, We do know, of course, that um, digital devices are much more common um, 
in in homes uh, it doesn't for me it doesn't bother me at all i mean i think it you can't turn back the tide of development and writing actually is still going on it may be on a phone it may be on a keyboard it's still going on and it's why i believe we need to attend more um carefully to things like keyboard skills at the appropriate time in children's school careers um we need to get them um Uh, using their ideas, uh, developing texts both in print, in pictures, um, and possibly even moving image. We need to get that going earlier, and we need to help teachers have the confidence to engage with that kind of writing. Do you think we have quite um, a narrow perception of of writing in the education system, what it it is, uh, when you teach it, and how you teach it, for example? Are Are we just... Have we sort of succumbed to a sort of <laughs> scheme of work idea of what writing can be, perhaps, rather than the alive subject that it, that it can be? I think writing teaching at its best is motivational, inspiring, involves the composition and crafting of whole texts. That's always gone on in schools. It's still going on in schools. Mm-hmm. It's true there are, I think, particularly the assessment pressures in England... Um, but also some other things have resulted in too many dry exercises like grammar exercises, like spelling tests and so on. Uh, and, but that's an ever-present danger as well, and it, you know, it's a long debate. Yes, we have to be watchful. Most important of all, we need to, to get the best of uh, pedagogy through a combination of outstanding research, outstanding practice, but crucially, we need policymakers on board as well. Mm. So we move to how you actually teach writing. Then, I mean, in 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 your sort of uh, research, are, can we to split the teaching of writing into distinct phases? Can we just split it into different components? How would you, how would you assess right teaching of writing? Well, I've already said that I think <coughs> um, teachers and educators need to understand more about children's ability to write from a very young age. I'm going to assume that that's in place. Mm. Um, I think teacher knowledge is an important element of teaching anything, of course. And I think with writing, it begins with teachers understanding how writing works in society. So they need to be able to reflect on authentic societal context for writing. And I would include things from you know, text messaging, WhatsApp messaging, right through to handwritten diaries, formal reports, publishing books, you name it. They They need a curiosity and analytic mind so they understand how writing really works in society. And, of course, professional writers have a lot to say about how writing works for them and they're an interesting source. So that's the, the first thing is about we have to teach writing as it really is, not based on some old-fashioned idea of what it is, not based too much on because the tests tell us we have to teach like that. Uh, and pupils and children need to come to understand that writing is driven by an author and their, in, their attempts to create meaning that will be well understood by sometimes millions of people, but more often a smaller number of people. So composition of meaning is the driver for writing and it should be the driver for teaching writing. Hmm. By the the way, it's of course the driver for reading as well. 
It's interesting that you say you say that because I, then it brings those WhatsApp messages or text messages or you know Snapchats or whatever the kids are using these days. Uh, it brings those into perspective, doesn't it? Because that that is still writing for an audience. It may not look like something you get a level five for in your stats in, in old money in old old stats language, but that's still writing for an audience. And it's a skill to do that, I guess. I think it's an in, yeah. I think it, the, the different um, types of media each require different skills. Um, but, you know, for, with some of them, it's the combination of both pictures and text. Um, but but it, as I say, each one has a diff- has different requirements, different format, different word lengths allowed or character lengths or whatever. And yes, um, we all know the consequences of a disastrous treat, uh, tweet. Yeah. Uh, likewise, we also all know of those tweets that are incredibly uplifting and, and get picked up by millions of people and down to the much, you know, the, the, for example, family connections through Facebook. It's, it's, it's not um, too difficult to offend members of a family if you can't craft messages with intelligence and sensitivity. So, yeah. Do those um, lessons, so let's say a, a teacher tried to give a, a child a, a breadth of outputs for their, for their writing, or at least a, vis- a visual on and an understanding of those different outputs and audiences, do they feed into each other? If, if you begin, does it, sort of, does it give you a cumulative effect where you become a better writer because of those experiences, or are they individual skills that don't really feed into each other? Oh, I think that, yeah, under, underlying it all are some universal aspects. So... First and foremost, it's about under, becoming skilled at representing thoughts in written language. Um, and that, of course, is a long, it's a never-ending journey. It's a lifelong journey. You know, we, you and I write for a living and we know how hard it is despite all our experience. Yeah. So, yes, and it, and it does come down to, you know, forming appropriate sentences. You won't catch me saying correct because that's not correct if I yeah. make sense. But forming appropriate sentences means being able to craft them so they clearly communicate what you want to communicate, but they also communicate it well for any potential reader. So the ability to, to construct sentences is a universally required um, area of knowledge for all people who want to write. And it cuts across all the different forms. Of course, the, the different forms use note forms or icons or, you know, y- you name it, in slightly different ways. But I still feel that underlying all of this is this, this ability to think about h- how to craft messages. And I would say that part of that skill is not only writing the message in the first place, but it's that ability to then step back and think about and, and edit and craft. Editing, I think, is, is a skill that is neglected. It's the most important element of being a good writer, in my view. Yeah, no, I agree, actually. Before we even get to that stage, though, I mean, the focus on learning to write in, in reception classes, at least, I mean, there's a big debate there, isn't it? Whether you should do it at a table, whether you should let kids go and mark make, as they call it, wherever they like, how you create stimulus for that writing. Is there a bit too much of a hang-up around the mechanics of the writing at that stage, or is it, and should it, or is that necessary to get the mechanics in place before you get to other elements of writing? Um, well, I think 
I've, I've said and I've emphasised first and foremost opportunities to compose texts um, for meaning it should be at the heart of it all. So uh, traditionally, and I think this is good practice, you know, a, a writing area, uh, a general writing area, let's start with that, in an early year setting is, is vital so that the, the children can, uh, you know, sit down in whatever way they feel comfortable. I'm content with both appropriate height tables and with comfy, you know, cushioned areas. I think both can work depending on the space. Um, but what, what you want most of all is get the children making marks, um, get the adults interacting with the children about those marks. Um, so that's the kind of uh, free flow side, if you like. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's a place, absolutely a place for teacher, more teacher-directed activities where they may draw children together at a table or wherever is appropriate and comfortable and stimulate them with particular things they'd like them to learn. And what they want them to learn should be based on what they've observed in the more informal uh, work on writing. That, and they, if, they're, if they're good at assessing children's learning, that then should feed their planning so they'll think, right, these, you know, these groups of children have this particular need. I'm going to introduce them to some new ideas. And so, and I think this is true in early, right across education, what you're trying to do is balance um, children's, giving children's uh, free reign to some degree so they can exercise their interests, you can motivate them. And then balancing that with what the teacher gives to take them beyond what they might naturally learn. Mm. And then you, you've mentioned before you know, teaching writing as a process. Does that happen even at that stage or is that something where you've got the foundational skills of writing and, and then you, you teach the, the actual process, the skill set, if you like, of, of comp composition? I think one of the things you can, you can do with young children in terms of process is, you know, imagine an educator... That could be at a, a digital whiteboard, it could be an old-fashioned blackboard, flip chart, you name it. They can model and show children how, how writing can be changed and how it, it's, not always, um, it's not always as you intend on the first writing. Now, of course, very young children can't <laughs> proofread and edit like adults. Some adults can. Mm. But you're putting ideas into their mind, I think, aren't you? you, you um, you're saying writing isn't first time correct. That's not how it works. And the other thing, in very small ways, of course you want to introduce them to conventional uh, English spelling, for example. And if you do this well, you, you may, for example, uh, comment or engage with a child about their writing and then say something like, well, look, here's how I would write that. And then you've got a comparison. It's not, obviously you're not sort of wanting to say theirs is wrong particularly, but, but you're, you're hoping for them to sort of start to see um, what are the conventions of writing. And yes, absolutely, you know, there are certain, you know, learning the alphabetic code is, is essential. It's an essential part of learning to read and write. But all the time, that has to be connected to write authentic writing, whole texts. Otherwise, children just lose sense of why they're doing the phonics. 
There's a piece we've got from uh, director Litsy actually coming up in the magazine where she talks about the metacognitive aspects of writing as well, like not just the um, the skill set to write, but also the the uh, self-efficacy, the um, the ability to believe yourself as a writer, the confidence, if you like, are really important as well. Would you agree with those as well? Yeah, I think there's some um, very strong research evidence showing the importance, you know, of self-regulation and it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's not only actually being able to physically and mentally craft writing, it's also that ability to step back and look metacognitively at and think about how, how, how the writing is going and so on. And I think there's also some good evidence that when children are a bit older, but I'm sure, you know, the early bits of this can be established, um, peer support, getting peers to discuss as well, I think we all probably recognise how, no matter how cognit metacognitively aware we are, if you give the writing to someone else, that's the way to get <laughs> a truly independent view. Mm. And I guess it's how, that's where confidence comes into it as well. I mean, the confidence to let someone read your work. I guess at a very early stage, if you be introduce that as a, as a natural part of the process, you become more okay with it but if you try to introduce that later when perhaps children are a bit more self-conscious it's more difficult yes yeah i think confidence is, is a really important uh, element of this and of course confidence can be there's there's clear evidence that confidence can be destroyed through inappropriately harsh regimes of testing and assessment uh, basically killing the child's natural you know you know, not. Uh, I was going to ask this question later, actually, but we could go into it now. I mean, is there a, a tension there between what you mentioned earlier, having a child write about something they're interested in, and having the ideas and perhaps the compositional ability, but also trying to get it technically correct in the sense that it, you, there's a tension there. They might have great ideas and, and presented them well, but the spelling's not great and the grammar's a little off. Does do the teachers have to be careful with that balance? Yes, um, but, I mean, you tell me how often a child in England gets to genuinely do, do a piece of writing that begins with uh, the blank page, metaphorically, mm. and is their, entirely their own ideas written because they think those ideas are important. You, and I, I know from my experience both as a teacher and a researcher in England certainly, and actually, I know this in many countries, it's incredibly rare. Now, if children don't get the chance to sometimes periodically exercise their own ideas, they cannot um, learn what it's like to be a writer, because writing in real life is about, however mundane that writing is, it's about deciding that something has to be communicated or recorded, and writing that and yes we hope that some children will go way beyond that and become you know authors professionals whose work involves writing and again you know th those areas of life require that independence of thinking so uh, uh, yes the balance has to i'm not advocating that that's the only approach one takes mm. um I don't see so much attention, I just see that we need a little bit more balance towards periodically and regularly giving children the chance to exercise their ideas 
apart from anything else, it, it's a more realistic, it seems to me, a more realistic demonstration of what they've learned mm. and provides evidence of what they need to learn next. Uh, we need to balance that up, you know, and, and yes, of course, you cannot write in the end. It's just not, it's not writing if in the end the conventions are not learned. I guess that goes back to your point about the importance of editing and drafting. And I think perhaps we have to be quite careful in education about what we're editing and how we're proofing. I mean, in journalism, for example, I probably edit more to, to fit an audience, a particular audience. And that's why I edit it, not necessarily because the writing might be grammatically mm. uh, changed the grammar of it. I mean, it's enough for, you know, it's in, a, in a classroom, you might say, now edit your work and, you know, give me your second draft but do we put enough thought into okay what are we editing for and and how if you like i think that's a really good idea yeah absolutely i really like that idea of in all things not just in literacy you know math springs to mind as a subject that's frequently lacks um teachers kind of trying to help pupils understand why we need maths in real life you mm. know and yes, uh, absolutely, that's a really, uh, I think, you know, your comments about audience as well. So there is a good track record of um, writing tasks that teachers create with a specified audience in mind. Um, one rather nice one that's, you know, been going for, for many years is the idea, for example, of older children trying to uh, write um, things for younger children, possibly even with a named child, you know, uh, I don't know, like pairing up year five with reception or something like that. Mm. Um, but, but of course, more, more generally, teachers can say, right, we're going to have a go, at, you know, here's the context, here's the problem, here's the audience, uh, see if you can craft something that, that, that would persuade that audience or that would engage that audience. And then yeah, and it takes the heat out of editing, doesn't it? If you're trying to say, well, you know, what you've done is works in some ways, but remember you're trying to write for this particular audience. Mm. And if we move on to the sort of common challenges um, children face then, where would you say the, the sort of pinch points, if you like, are on that journey to become a writer? Well, I think the first thing is writing is hard work cognitively and physically. It's hard work for everyone whether it happen, it's hard work for accomplished writers and it's hard work for knowledge writers and for, for novice writers and I think we just have to acknowledge that but also of course we need to communicate our enthusiasm and, and writing genuinely can be rewarding as well for all sorts of different reasons is um, there, I mean is there a uh, in, in, in those challenges do, do, do children come to school with challenges in writing that teachers need to spot or do these challenges develop because of the environment of the school or perhaps you know the confidence issues we talked about before I mean is it like dyslexia where you know there is there is a there is a problem there with reading is there a similar thing in writing well clearly um, children's home experiences um, will have a bearing on you know when they first enter say nursery or reception um, I mean, there is evidence of, of um, you know, if you take oral language, there's evidence of differences from different children and their backgrounds. I mean, I think we've got, obviously got, always got to be careful about deficit models, you know, of, of children. Uh, I think it's a case of 
assessing as carefully as possible the positive aspects that children bring from all kinds of different walks of life, different home experiences, and then building on those uh, towards the, the journey towards conventional writing. I'm also aware that I recall evidence that suggested that once children enter the junior phases of primary education, um, the, the motivation for writing can can fall away somewhat. And I, I think that is a, that's a genuine reflection of, you know, how they're, they're having to grapple with conventional spelling, conventional grammar. I mean, this this may well be in the early early junior phases as well, and certainly in the infant phases. So um, I think. Teachers have to be mindful of that. They have to. It's a constant. Uh, it's a constant effort to engage children, to motivate them, um, but also to ensure that they they do um, understand and learn the conventions of, of the English language. Given that we're talking about uh, England, is it quite difficult to unpick? You know, if you if a teacher is faced with a piece of writing, is it quite difficult to unpick where a problem may lie with that? piece of you know that child or an issue with the writing may lie in sense of spelling could be a, a you know a ve- poor spelling could be down to various reasons you know a poorly composed piece may be as much down to the brief the teacher gave as as the child themselves um engagement confidence they're all all wrapped up in their interest in the subject it yeah. seems like so many variables that you have to try and wade through to try and find what what to, how to help that child yeah i agree I think no. I think I think it, you know, imagine first. First of all, let's think about the teacher sitting alongside one child. There's a piece of writing that they need to comment on. It it, it could be an unfinished draft, or it could be a finished draft. There are of course many choices that teacher has to make in terms of in the short time they have typically with one child how to respond. Um, I mean, the, the advice has often been, you know, at least start with something that you really like about the writing, and that's that that is part of the confidence thing, isn't it? And it's the positive mental attitude. Um, but also, yes, they do they do need to comment, ideally, on you know at least one aspect of the composition to help the child develop it, and also um, that various aspects to do with spelling, punctuation, letter formation, you name it. Um, I think that's partly about building a relationship with each child in the class. Uh, so we're t- that means over time the child can be taken forward. But we also need to think about um, the possibilities for small group interaction and whole class. Mm. So clearly children of the same age will exhibit some general features that they're all uh, grappling with and that's a good opportunity for the teacher to show them using um, digital technology perhaps or, or, or more, more old-fashioned flip charts, blackboards um, and, and showing them you know uh, how how things can be improved, enhanced but it's also about other tasks so it's not that um, I, I wouldn't say that you know sometimes a task that's focused, say, just on spelling, uh, is entirely appropriate. I mean, I, I'm not in favour of the weekly spelling test uh, and learning the spellings for us in that way, particularly. But there are other tasks that, arguably, you know, are more um, engaging to do with spelling that can help. And you know, word play, word lists, 
word of the day, you know, word display in, in early year settings and so on. Mm. I guess that takes us to the, the last area we're going to look at, which was the, you know, the, the tension or, or, or if or not of technical versus creativity, technical writing versus creativity in writing. And uh, I know you've done some work on this with the Ministry of Stories. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about where creativity sits at the, at the moment in, in a in a school writing teaching process, if you like, and where the, te the tension perhaps with technical writing comes in? And yeah. a bit about the Ministry of Stories as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to come back to what I said about if children don't have opportunities to exercise independent thinking and committing ideas, those ideas to paper, there is no creativity, really, because it's... If, if a task is set by a teacher, then it's 30 variations on that task. Mm. Yes, small amounts of creativity within that uh, uh, certainly are possible, and that would depend very much on the nature of the task. But for me, in the end, uh, the demonstration of creativity is through the exercising of somebody's own ideas, a child's own ideas, or an adult, if we're talking about adults. Uh, and it's dependent on originality um, and value. So originality sounds as though it's too complicated for young children, but in fact, we might think about it as just original to them at first, you know, new to them. Um, ideas that provoke more thinking than usual, um, the particular use of language. You know. So there are, there are ways that even young children can be assessed as demonstrating creativity. Um, in the Ministry of Stories research, we, we were lucky, the team of us at the IOE were lucky to spend um, three years um, doing various analyses of how the Ministry of Stories helped young people to become creative writers or develop as creative writers. And one of the things we did was some in-depth work with uh, 15 young people, upper primary, lower secondary. And to cut a long story short, one of the things we observed was that the, for, for the majority of children, there was a move from dependence. So the Ministry of Stories was providing these amazing, exciting, motivational opportunities, uh, which in the when the children first joined in general they latched onto and they were like a kind of a framework for them but as time went on they grew the confidence to to actually use ideas that were beyond the stimulus uh, and recognize that in fact that it, to be honest it's not really creative if you're relying too heavily on sources of stimulus whatever they are now to give an example you know um one child i recall was very into video gaming um and the his early attempts were were heavily reliant on that on stimulated by the, the a particular video game as time went by that child seemed to recognize that that was derivative and so started to exercise much more independence in their in their writing, so and that development of creativity, if if, if um, primary schools gave time to that, more time to that, 
would they see the impact of that in other areas of curriculum as well? Well, it's certainly true that um, creativity is a massively valued uh, attribute. I'm forever hearing about, um, for example, business leaders, you know, saying what they need is people with creativity in in all sorts of walks of life. So, and also creativity absolutely is part of every subject in different ways. And and I, my view on this is that the creativity required for, say, visual art, music composition, dance composition, written composition, <clears throat> is not the same as the creativity required for solving a particular mathematics problem or a scientific proof or whatever, but they, are, they, they all do require creativity. And so I guess the final question is if you, if you were, if teachers were to ask you your one take home for um, teaching writing other than to read your uh, excellent book, um, what would that piece of advice uh, be to the teachers? Well, develop, help children develop the ear of the writer, as I've called it. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, the TES nicely picked up this idea in, a, in an article a while ago. Um, yes, I do. Uh, I, I do develop the ear of the writer from multiple perspectives in work I've done recently, um, including from the perspectives of professional Nobel Prize-winning writers, for example, but also drawing on the work with the Ministry of Stories and looking at, you know, cognitive work, including neuroscience. Um, where, interestingly, uh, one rather brilliant paper suggests that daydreaming is a rather important aspect of creativity. Hmm. I think there's probably a scope for a, a feature or a reading list around that for teachers to follow up on. Um, thank you very much for your time today, Dominic. It's been incredibly interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.